This is a series that we are, we, we're coming out of a series called On Mission, where we looked at the mission of the church and therefore the mission of each and every one of us as believers and followers of Jesus and what God has for us. And coming out of that, we're going into a series called Multiply. All right, And, and God had had on my heart uh, as we were the last month or so, as we were wrapping up On Mission, uh, to go back into the book of Acts. Because we talked about church planning, we talked about the early church, and we talked about how we breathe new life into into communities and transform places and how God does that. And, um, and man, there's so much in the book of Acts. Like, that's what the book of Acts is. And, and so uh, I preached when we started the church six years ago, when God started the church six years ago, I started preaching from verse one, chapter 1, verse 1 of Acts. And I preached through uh, chapter 9 and verse 31. 23 sermons. Some of you were here for some of that. Who was here for some of that? We've got a few hands around. Y'all still hanging around after six years. It's good to still have you. It was a smaller group then. Um, but we were, uh, we were in the, the, the choir room at UPike for a little while. We were in the silver sneakers room at the YMCA. We were a little bit of everywhere in that season. But we were following right along with how God breathed life into the church. And uh, so God was saying, go back there, go back there. And so I went back and I looked at the last sermon I preached uh, from the book of Acts, and it was called Multiplied. Um, after just uh, several weeks ago when I was talking about church planning, I said, God's, not, God's church isn't dying, it's multiplying. Y'all remember hearing me say that? And then I go back and I see the last sermon I preached was Multiplied. And so I said, all right, we're going to do, we're going to pick up where I left off five years ago um, and start preaching in the book of Acts. Uh, again, and we're going to call it multiply because that's what happens. See all these little uh, these little circles and how they connect. This is what happened last week, right? Leaders are developing leaders who develop leaders who develop leaders, and you multiply the amount of work and activity that gets done. And so this is how God's church works. This is how He works. So to do this, y'all ever watch y'all watch TV, Netflix? something y'all watch something and you watch a uh, you watch a season of something and then you you start the first episode of the like season two and it does this little recap at the beginning of season one few people know what i'm talking about oh surely y'all have seen that there's a recap right a recap of season one here's the things you miss that in order to get the, the full picture of season two and understand all the background context history. Here, here's the recap of season one so you know what happened. So this morning, this is what you're getting, okay? Like I thought, I can't go, I'm not going to go back and preach all 23 sermons again. I can't preach all 23 in one. I mean, they'll leave. That's a lot to get into one sermon, nine chapters of the book of Acts. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going we're to look at a basic intro. What is the book of Acts? Why are we there? Why was it written? What's it about? And then we're going to take five things, all right? Five things, milestones, moments in the first nine chapters of the book of Acts that we need to hold on to that, that are going to be important as we go through the rest of the, the book. I would encourage you, don't just take my cliff notes today. Read chapters one through nine for yourself before we start diving into it next week. So today's going to be a bit of a recap, a catch-up on the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. He also wrote the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke was about Jesus and the time that Jesus was on earth, how he walked. It was the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then it ended. 
my first sermon from chapter 1, verse 1, was titled, To Be Continued. Because this is written, Luke wrote this to the same guy. His name was Theophilus. I call him Theo. He's my buddy Theo. He was likely a, a Roman Christian. Uh, that Luke was writing these letters. So he wrote Luke, the gospel according to Luke, to Theo and said, hey, look at everything Jesus did. I've searched this. He was a physician, like he, uber scientific. Like I checked all the facts, all the stories. I talked to all the witnesses, the gospel according to Luke. Theo, man, this is what happened with Jesus. All right, so then he writes him the second letter. We call it Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. What happened after Jesus ascended? After Jesus came and he lived and he, and he just created this tumultuous, stirred everything up in Jerusalem and it started to reach out to the world, what happened after that? So this is part history uh, and it's part the, theological it is the truth of how this church, why we are here, the Christian church of America, why we exist 2,000 years later because of what happened in this book. This is the origination of Christianity. That is the church. You want to know well, how did, why we go to church? What is it? How did it get started? This is it. All right. So you're going to have some fun with me over the next uh, foreseeable future. I'm not putting a timeline on this. We will break for like Thanksgiving. We'll do a Thanksgiving sermon and a Christmas, but... For a while, we're going to learn together about God's momentum in reaching the lost. All right? Part of this is about leadership in the book of Acts. It's about leadership really shows its impact in your absence. Okay? If you a manager has to be there on the side and is like managing things, okay? A leader is creating the person that can exist and a structure that exists when you are not there. And this is everything that the book of Acts is about. This is about two main characters, Peter. Y'all know Peter. Y'all know the story of Peter? Yeah, he was the fisherman. Jesus came, said, follow me, I'll make you a fisherman. Peter followed him awesome disciple, kind of crazy, messed up a lot. He even, you know, when, when Christ was crucified, when he, was, when he was taken away and he was arrested, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, I would never do that. And he goes straight and denies him three times. Wouldn't even tell like the little girl sitting by the campfire that he knew who Jesus was. This is Peter. That's the guy God uses. And then Paul, who was originally Saul, Saul of Tarsus. We're going to talk about him a little bit today. That's the story. These two guys God uses to unleash, to set a fire with a little spark that changed the world, changed history, changed a place, changed this place, changed you, changed me. And that's what we're going to learn about in the book of Acts. All right, let's start. You ready for the five things? Here's all five of them. We're going to take them one at a time. If you take notes, this will be a great day to take note. I promise every sermon will not have this much stuff in it. But I'm going to go through this pretty quick. But I want you've got to get this, okay? You've got to understand this. Why are we here? These five things are critically important. There are other important things in the first nine chapters. There's so much good stuff. I was reading through my notes. I was like, man, that's good. That's good. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Like, it was just so much good stuff. But these are the five that I want to talk about this morning. The first one is the ascension of Jesus. What does that mean? The book of Acts starts out in chapter 1. Uh, one, uh, Luke writing to Theo saying, hey, I'm writing you this letter and here's why. <clears throat> and it immediately goes to Jesus being ascended. That means after his crucifixion, 
and resurrection, how he ascended back in to heaven. This happened in verse uh, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Luke says Jesus said as he was going up into the sky. As he was ascending after his resurrection. And then I love this verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to try to take these five things and use one verse for each one of them, okay? That you can mark down and go back and look at and then read around and get context. After Jesus was ascended, his disciples, his apostles, everybody that was following him, that believed in him, that maybe doubted after he was crucified. Is he going to be resurrected? And then he was resurrected, and they finally believed him again. And then he leaves again. He goes into the sky, and those guys are standing around him, and they're just looking up in this moment, in this time. They're looking up, and Jesus is like disappearing, like your dreams, disappearing. Like you ever had a dream just kind of fade away, like I thought it was going to be that, and it wasn't. And they thought, oh, we can do this with Jesus. He's back. He died, he resurrected, he's with us. But then he leaves again. And then two angels appear to him and they say, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here? Man, I love that question so much. Maybe that could speak into your life in this moment, in this season right now. This is what I call a now what moment. You ever have those in your life? Like where your plan A uh, it is, doesn't work out? And you realize your plan B was God's plan A. And you're like, now what? Man, I thought, thought marriage was going to be this, and now it's this. I thought school was going to be this, and now it's that. I thought my career was going to be this, and now it's that. This is where they were at. They were looking up. I thought Jesus was going to be with us. I thought we were going to do this together. We can do this with him. And then he's, he's disappearing, and they're just like, just staring up into the sky. You'll get there, I promise, in life. You will get there where all you know to do is just look off into the distance and be like, oh, God, what now? Now what? I thought he was staying with us. And the angel said, why are you standing here? Why are you standing here? Think about everything he's told you. There's work to do. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Wake up. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Why are you standing here? He's gone, but he's coming back, and there's stuff you got to do between now and then. Like, why are you standing here? Maybe that's a question we could ask ourselves today in some situation. Why am I just standing here? I'm going to give you the three. I preached three sermons on this little piece in the next verses that followed it. I want to give you like the, the, the three things, all right? What do you do in this now what situation? One, they go immediately to a room and they get together and they pray. That was it. It was that simple. It was like, I need to get back to God and be talking to God. And in that, then, then something happens with Peter, the man who was afraid to even profess Jesus Christ to the little girl by the campfire. It says on down past this, it says, Peter stood up. Man, that's so good, too. I love this. You tell I love Acts. They went and prayed, 
And then they stood up and they got to work. They just did the next right thing. Judas, you all know Judas, he had betrayed Jesus. He had taken his own life. And so there was 12, now there's 11. They said, we need to fill that spot. So they prayed. They said, Peter stood up and said, hey, we need to fill this spot. They did the next right thing. Like it wasn't a big plan. It wasn't like, let's get the whiteboard out and strategize how we're going to build this church. It was like they just prayed and they did the next right thing. And at the end of that little season, guess what they did? prayed again this is how God reveals his plan and his work in your life you pray you work you pray you work you pray you work the balance of I don't have all the plans I need to go to God figure out the plan for today I'm going to do it okay you're in a now what moment pray see God's will do the next right thing pray again do the next right thing pray again do the next right thing that could be a little song. A little beat on that, we could do it. That's it. That's the ascension of Jesus. You need to realize when we get to chapter 9 of Acts, Jesus has come. He's been, uh, he's been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's back in heaven. He has ascended. He gave the mission. Go make disciples, baptizing to the ends of the earth. Immediately after that, in Acts chapter 2, we get something known as Pentecost. And this is a, a day you will likely uh, have heard of and know about. This was the moment where everything changed for believers of the one true God. And it had to do with the Holy Spirit. You all have heard of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is a person. He is God. He is one of the triune, the trinity God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Prior to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit worked from the outside. If you read the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would occasionally come on someone from the outside and speak to them and tell them to do something. And to have access to God, the average Jewish person would have to go through the priest. They'd have to sacrifice to go to the priest. And the one, the holiest of holies, the priest, the great high priest would go into the holiest of holies to get access to God. Not everybody had access to God. On this day in chapter 2, on Pentecost, everything changed. This was a time that Jesus had foretold that I just read to you in verse 8. He said that the Holy Spirit is going to come and be with you. I'm leaving in the flesh, Jesus, but I'm sending a comforter to be with you, to be inside of you, to live inside of you, and that will be the Holy Spirit. There's a couple things about this. Um, this is a couple quotes from D.L. Moody. He said, many people have been to Calvary for pardon, but not to Pentecost for power. He also said, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. What happened here is God became present in every believer. That when we profess our faith, when we get saved, when we give our life to Christ, He takes up residence in our heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Bible says that through the Holy Spirit, we have resurrection power inside of us. We have authority inside of us. We have power through Him, not through us. There's two things that happen. One, you immediately get, uh, when you get saved, you get changed. You become uh, what they would, the apostles referenced, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now that can be a, a, a trigger word for some, and, 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 and there's some believers of Christ that believe that experience is manifested in speaking of tongues, and, and, and I don't agree that the only way you can prove that you're saved is by speaking in tongues. Okay, we're going to get into all this stuff as we go through. But there is a baptism in water, but there's a baptism in the Spirit. When you give your life to Christ, that He comes in, takes up residence, your life is different. And then in Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That line says, I don't do the filling. You don't do the filling. We do the emptying of ourself, of the bitterness, of the anger. And then God does the filling, and it's a daily thing. He doesn't say get filled and go your way. He says be filled continually every day. Look for the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Three things to take away the Pentecost. Holy Spirit is living inside us. God is present with every believer. You don't have to go through me to get to God. You don't have to go through the priest. You don't have to go through the church. You can go in the darkest alley and find God. Okay, that's his connection point to each and every person who believes in him is in their heart third thing that happened uh, let's read this verse acts 238 peter replied because this is something amazing that happened during pentecost when the, when the holy spirit came down chapter two uh peter starts preaching and i mean preaching like different than he's ever preached before <laughs> like not afraid anymore Actually, to the very leaders that crucified Christ, he says, uh, he, he's basically telling all of Jerusalem, you denied the chief cornerstone. You tossed him away. You crucified the Messiah that you've all been waiting for. And so Peter gets up and he's preaching this sermon, uh, and, 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 and others are preaching, and there's people there from all over the world in Jerusalem. They've come there, they speak different languages, and yet they're all hearing in their own tongue. They're understanding everything that's being said. The gospel is wrecking the place, okay? The Holy Spirit is, is completely turning things upside down. And this is what Peter, after he preaches his first sermon, uh, people ask, well, what do I do to be saved? How do I do this? And this was his response at the end of his sermon. He just replied and said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That day, 3,000 people got saved. It's the day of Pentecost. Chapter 6, church is growing. They keep adding members. They're preaching. Uh, Peter's beginning to reach uh, communities of Jewish faith, and, and, and lives are changing. Um, and, and guess what happens as you grow? Things get out of order a little bit of chaos what chaos in the church oh yeah still here today all right so in acts chapter six we find they've started this food ministry okay and um and there's some people complaining who would have thought about that let's see here Acts chapter 6. I got one verse. I'm sticking to this. I'm trying to leave you with one verse to keep a note on for each of these five things. 
Uh, but in the beginning of chapter 6, it says, In those days when the number of disciples were, was increasing, the Hellenistic or Greek-speaking Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. So they had this food ministry, and so they had two things propping up. Inefficient ministry... Like they were trying to do something good, they weren't doing it good at all. And division, you were starting to see one group get opposed to another group. And so this is the first time they appointed deacons. They began to put structure into the church and leadership. And so it says in Acts 6.3, it says, And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. They said, us 12 can't do all of this. I, the pastor, can't do all of this. You, the, 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 the children's teacher, can't do all of this. The church to function takes everyone stepping up and serving their role in whatever God has called you to. And so this was the place they began to get organized. They realized we can't do this without some organization. What does this tell me about the church? We exist to develop spiritually mature leaders. To develop spiritually mature leaders. I've been asking myself every day, and uh, as, as I shared earlier about Chris, I've known Chris for a long time. We prayed about this for a long time. Um, he's been a student pastor uh, since 1998. He's been serving faithfully. He was feeling this call in his life to make a change, a time of transition. And, and, and we were praying, uh, and I was talking to him. I was like, here's the questions we have to ask ourselves. Who have we empowered today? Who have we empowered today to go be who God has called them to be and lead? To encourage, to speak affirming words and say, God has got this for you in your life. What do you need? How can we equip you to do that? And, and we're, we're stepping out in faith because we believe God has the best days of new beginnings ahead of us. The best days of Pikeville ahead of us. A season of growth ahead of us. Of reaching people. And I can't do it all. And you can't do it all. And so how do we create leaders who create leaders who create leaders and point people to Jesus? This is a season of chaos. Maybe you've had a season of, you've had a now what season. Maybe you've had a season of chaos in your life. Maybe right now it just feels like, God, you're doing everything uh, today you were supposed to do yesterday. And you're catching up and you think, I just can't, I'm, I'm underwater, I'm going to drown. And maybe that's where you are right now or maybe you've been there the fourth thing I'm going to do this I'm going to do this I'm going to get this done in like 25 minutes it's impressive <laughs> Stephen Stoning one of the seven deacons that were first appointed deacon literally means serve a servant in Acts chapter 7 he immediately starts sharing the gospel and he's sharing the gospel, and some things happen to him. 
Some things have happened to you. He got betrayed. You ever been betrayed? He was, he was teaching the truth about God's Word, and, and some of the other Jews who didn't like it made up stuff and said, he's teaching this. And he went to the leaders and said, that old Stephen, he's teaching, uh, he, he's teaching false religion. He's teaching about a false God. And so they drug Stephen in. And so he'd been betrayed, and then he got, he, he got, he got cheated. He got treated unfairly. Like they put him before that, and, and they ask him, and he gives... Uh, not to get super boring for you, but it's called Stephen's Apologia. <laughs> See, you're bored. You went to sleep. All that means is he gave a speech defending his position or, or opinion. So he got, they got in front of him, and he gives this magnificent speech or sermon to this group. And if you go read the list when they first appoint Stephen... Uh, as a deacon, they said he is full of spirit. Like, this is a gifted young man. Like, he's the only one that had like a parenthesis outside his name. Says Stephen's got it. And so you see so much potential in Stephen. Yet, in Stephen's, in God's plan for Stephen's life, he was betrayed and cheated, and he said exactly what he was supposed to say to the group, and they lost their ever-loving minds. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. We find in Stephen that even though he was betrayed, falsely accused, falsely convicted, cheated, treated unfairly, this truth that God uses tragedy, trial, hardship, devastation. Only God can use those things, the things that the enemy means for evil, for good. Because even though Stephen had all this potential and he could have done so much, what happened at this moment? There was a man standing there named Saul. And in the very next chapter, it says Saul stood there and basically approved of the stoning of Stephen. And it says the coats were laid at Saul's feet. I want us to understand because of Stephen, that if you're following Christ and expecting uh, for some uh, earthly reward... That's very likely your service, my service, will not be appreciated or recognized by the world. Stephen died that day. He was stoned. He read some words. He spoke some words as he was breathing his last breath. says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen is known as the first martyr, someone who died for their Christian faith.
we find God uses that experience on a man called Saul. A lot about Saul. We'll probably dive into him deeper over the next few weeks, but Saul was uh, an up-and-comer. He was as religious as you can get. He was a Jew of Jews. He was a a well-trained attorney, probably with hopes of sitting on the Sanhedrin. He was going to, like, he he was all about God and the law and uh, the... the, uh, being a rabbi and the, the tradition, the oral tradition, like he studied it. He studied under Gamaliel, one of the best teachers. He, he was, he was going to be a, a defender of the faith. And he hated certain people, and those people he hated were Christians. Hated them because Jesus was seen as a false prophet. He was someone who was threatening everything that, that, that made the Jewish religion and tradition safe and secure And so he absolutely hated Jesus and everyone who followed him. And he set out on a path to arrest them, to allow for the murder, maybe even murder them himself. I mean, this guy is the baddest dude you could imagine. He goes and gets permission in chapter 9. Uh, to go to Damascus. And if he finds any believers there, it says people who belong to the way, people who are following Jesus. If he finds him there, he wants to be able to arrest them and bring them back. And, you know, we got to stamp this out. we got to stamp this Christianity thing out. For those of you who haven't read the rest of the book, but you know where we live, <laughs> that did not work out so well because Christianity is alive and well. The devil... The gates of hell will not stand against the church. And so he's on the road to Damascus, and he's struck down. you got to read the story in chapter 9. I'm not going to talk about all of it. He gets struck down. He's blinded. says, Saul, Saul, why are you, why, why are you uh, persecuting me? And he says, who is this? And, and the voice says, it's me, Jesus. Why are you kicking against the goads, he says, which are these pricks. Like, why are you, why are you being stubborn? You've seen in your life the different points that I've, I'm trying to reach you. And the other people that were with him, they're just hearing this voice, and, and they can't see anybody. And now Saul's laying on the ground, and he's blind, and he fell off the donkey or whatever he was on. And, and they're like, what is going on? And so Saul gets up and he goes on to Damascus. He gives his place and he gives him a vision about Ananias, a neighbor. And he gives Ananias this vision. He says, I want you to go down here to this house. I want you to find Saul and I want you to pray with him. And Ananias is like, dude, I know Saul. I've heard about Saul. Like he's killing everybody. He's arresting everybody. I, I'm, I, I ain't going. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Let me tell you something that's here. Is that the gospel is for anyone. (laughs) No matter what you've done, 
no matter where you've been, no matter where you are today in your life, no matter what you did this morning, no matter what you're doing right now on your phone, I don't care. The gospel is for anyone. That means everybody you come across that you say they're hopeless, Jesus says, no, they're not. It is for anyone, and there's also a truth here that God himself is pursuing everyone. That his will is for all to come to faith and believe him and follow him. And he asks Saul, he's like, why are you kicking against this? These goes, these times in your life where I've, I've tried to reach you, I've tried to show you in little circumstances and people and stories that have showed they loved you when they shouldn't, that have cared when they shouldn't. I'm trying to love you. I just need you to let me. And I just think one of those things, one of those times for Paul had to be when he watched Stephen get stoned. When the coats were laying at his feet. That there had to be a thought in that moment that this is wrong. That God has something more. What if what Stephen is saying is true? Maybe he heard what Stephen said as he was dying, where he says, don't hold this sin against them. You find that prayer of the dying Stephen held true for at least one that we know of, and that was Saul. For Saul... For this criminal murderer, hater of Christians, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. These are the five things. And we get to 931. And it says, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. That's where we are in the story. I want to ask you this morning, what if we did a recap of Acts 1 through 9? What, what if you did a recap of your life at this point? In your story. Would these things be relevant? Would you see these seasons, these times, these moments where uh, your plan B became God's plan A? And you had to say, yeah, in that moment, in that season, things completely changed. And I see it now. I see what God was doing. Like, I see it now. Or maybe you're right in that right now, like your plans are just totally blown out of the water and you can't see it. You just have to trust. You have to have faith and believe that God is in control of all circumstances. He loves you and whatever is happening, he can use it for your good and his glory. Maybe you were like the, the disciples, and at some point in your life, you thought you had the power. You could figure everything out. You could fix everything. If the situation got so bad, then you would step in, and you would fix it. And disciples feeling this pressure to build the entire church. 
And God says, just empty yourself and let me build my church. You just pray, talk with me, make sure we're on the right step. I need you to go be hands and feet. I don't need you to be the brains. I'm the head of the church. You just be the hands and feet. And let me fill you every day. And let me be the power you need. And let me do my thing. Maybe you're in a season of, of chaos, or you can look back and see the time of chaos, and you just had to get things, you had to figure out some things to say no to. You didn't figure out what you're going to say yes to. You had to get some discipline in your life, because right now you're just doing whatever feels good, and the next thing, the next opportunity, you got no plan. you just you just like just wishy-washing, going day to day. And it feels like chaos. You just need a season to get organized. Maybe you've seen tragedy. Maybe you've just faced this awful hardship, the, the thing in your life that just is not fair. You've been cheated. You've been betrayed. And there's no way God could be in that or he could use it. Maybe God's been prodding your heart. It's time for a change. It's time to turn from your sins and your dreams and your ways and your will and submit to him. And he's saying right now, why are you ignoring me? Let me change your heart. I, I can change the worst. I can change you. You can't change yourself. And he's pursuing you today. Have you turned your life over to Jesus like Saul? Have you given it all to him? It's step one. That's step one in being used for him is to follow him, to give your life to him. Everybody did, just did a recap of your lives. You came up with these things. We all got these things, right? Well, I, could, I, could, I could list mine out. Hey, I wasn't even supposed to be here. The only reason I'm in Pikeville is because somebody, uh, like, I, was, I thought I was going to go uh, to Moorhead, and I had a, a, an audition for a music scholarship, and my teacher didn't show up for the last lesson. And I was devastated. I was mad. I was like, well, I'm not going to Moorhead. I'm going to Pikeville. <laughs> Plan B, maybe C, D, E, F for Jared. But see, all these seasons, all these things brought us to this room in this moment, in this time, in this season. I mean, people from different parts of the state, I mean, different parts of the world into this place, into this season, into this time to say, God, can you do in the 21st century what you did in the first? Can you use our seasons, our tragedies? Can you use our setbacks for your good? And this is not about multiplying your, your possessions and your wealth. And I would love to say, we're starting this multiply series. We're going to figure out how to multiply your bank account. We're going to figure out how to multiply your square footage of your house and your garage and the cars that are in it and multiply. No. How do we multiply the kingdom of God? 
How do we lay ourselves down and say, God, here we are. All this I know you're using for your good. How do we multiply God's church? How do we live in fear, just awe of you, just like in Acts 9.31? How do we be encouraged by your spirit and just be in the season and watch you multiply? Watch you change lives. Watch you change families. Watch you transform communities. That's what we want to do. Next week, we're going to look at Acts 9.32. It's a great little story. It's only about four verses instead of nine chapters, so you'll enjoy it. It's about the healing of Aeneas. Peter comes to him in this town, and he says, In the name of Jesus... You are healed. Get up. He was physically healed. We are spiritually healed. I invite you to come back next week to see what that means. When Jesus says to you, get up. (laughs) All right? God, in this season, this moment, we are so thankful. Uh, for what you were doing, uh, for what you've done in my life, for what you've done in, uh, in the lives of the people in this building. God, we just pray today that you would draw us unto you. God, you said that if we would draw close to you, you would draw close to us. God, some of us came in here off a merry-go-round where we've not even talked to you and we can't remember when. And in this season, in this moment, we are drawing close to you. And we're making this commitment to turn from ourselves and follow you. God, today we just pray you build your church. God, you show us, you give us the wisdom to empower and create leaders and followers of you to just pursue your purpose, the good things you prepared in advance for them to do, that we can inspire them and equip them to live out their faith and change this world. In Jesus' name, amen.